Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Hi, this is Sarah from the left, and I am bringing you a very special interview with Ann Bogle from Modern Mrs. Darcy and the podcast, What Should I Read Next? I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Ann has suggestions for what pantsuit politics listeners should read next, some great political fiction, and we talk about all things politics and books. Enjoy. So I am so excited to have Ann Bogle from Modern Mrs. Darcy um, on Pantsy Politics today. I was recently a guest on her show, What Should I Read Next? And she gave me the most amazing book recommendation. So you should definitely go check that out. But we wanted to have Ann on the show because, and you recommended our podcast on your blog and you gave us, you gave me basically the, the review that I wanted when I invented this show. Tell us what you told your listeners. That makes or readers me happy. at that point. It makes you happy. I think I said something like, I still can't believe I subscribe to a political podcast. Yes, I love but that I love so this much. one. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love it. So you're not what I what I lovingly call political rats, which we a lot of our listeners are. So you're not, you know, you're not up every morning just consuming all the political news. No. And you know, from most, I've been really looking forward to the presidential election cycle because I do really enjoy paying attention to that process every year. I just think it's fascinating to see how the very wide pool of contenders narrows and why and who rises 
and who drops out and how, and just watching the mechanics of that is really interesting to me. But this year, that hasn't been quite as <laughs> I was just going to say, do you still feel that way? It's been a little stressful this year. So I haven't yeah. been paying as much attention. Like, I just watched the first debate. The only reason I watched the first debate was because my, my kid had to watch it for school. I mean, it was up past my bedtime because I'm on Eastern time and I go to bed early. But that wasn't the only reason that I was planning on doing something else until I found out that he needs to watch it. And I mean, it was, I'm not sad I did and I, he'll probably have to watch the others too. And man, my Twitter feed was moving. So the commentary, <laughs> the commentary and the discussion really added something to the experience, which is why I like oh. your podcast. Yeah. Twitter is a fun place to be during community events like that. It just is Oscars, sports events, you know, things like that. Twitter's the place to be for sure. And I have never seen my feed move as fast as it was during that first debate. It was crazy. Um, so do you avoid political discussions? I know a lot of women who feel like, eek. Uh, this is confrontational. I don't want to have any part of this. <laughs> uh, I do not enjoy the in-your-face debate that happens sometimes at like backyard barbecues. But <laughs> no, I don't avoid them. And I grew up in a household very interested in politics. Like my dad was a poli-sci major. He tracks everything very closely. He voted in the electoral college once. Like I grew <gasps> up in a family so cool. who thought politics were cool. But as in adults, I, you know, I pay attention to the local stuff and I – feel like I'll find out what I need to know. Oh, gosh, this is embarrassing. I don't pay as much attention as I used to. Okay, well, so but this is really interesting. I was just at Vox Conversation, and Jennifer Lawless was speaking about the concern that we don't have enough young people running for office. We have about 500,000 elected officials of positions in this country, and what if we don't have enough people to fill them, basically? And she was talking about that in her research. One of the main things they find is that an interest in politics comes from a home life in which politics was a thing that was discussed. So you grew up in a family where politics was discussed. So it's not surprising that that is a thing that um, at least sort of mostly interests you. And so do you find yourself talking about politics with your own children? We talk about politics with the kids a lot. Good, yeah. good. I'm a big proponent of that. Obviously, that's why I just praised you. <laughs> well, they're kids and they haven't yet learned that the headlines don't tell the whole story and that the people spouting opinions at school that they heard on the news that was on in their home at school, maybe there's a little more beneath it. We're, we're just always trying to explain to them how it really works and to bring mm -hmm. some nuance to the discussion and to lead them to hopefully think critically about issues. I mean, they're still young. Our oldest is 13. So even that is young for a nuanced discussion, but we're getting there. And yeah. that's just really what we're trying to foster in them. Like you have to use your brain. You can't just, yeah. you know, listen to the sound bites and be prepared to make decisions based on that. So I know that on your blog, you talk about personality a lot. Do you think that, um, there are personality takeaways from either sort of what your political positions are or particularly how you talk and think about politics? Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, and at first I was thinking when you said personality, I was thinking about being rather conflict avoidant myself. Mm -hmm. And I thought you were going to say, does that make a difference in how much politics you're following this election cycle? And I was going to say, why, yes, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, our our personality profiles, depending on what kind of framework you're talking about, definitely affect how we make our decisions and where we get our data and, you know, what we base, what we base our opinions on. So your show, what should I read next? Tell us the general structure of how things go. 
Well, it's all things books and reading once a week. And every week, a guest like you yourself did recently tells me three books they love, one book they hate, and what they're reading now. And then based on that, I tell them three titles they should read next. Okay, I love it. So tell us, let's play this game in reverse with you. So tell us some political books you've read or I would and I will broaden it to be it doesn't well I guess this is probably something we should talk about first how would you define a quote-unquote political book (laughs) I was just going to ask you that yeah because that's a hard that's a hard framework to decide that is a tough framework because I think you have like lame what I would describe as lame political books like the ones they uh, let's hear this please what's a lame yeah like the ones they churn out before they run you know what I mean like her her, but like honestly that never crossed my mind is in yes You know what I'm talking those about? Those are political books. Yeah. Yeah. No. Those, that's to We're me talking about like, like the autobiography. Vote for me, yeah. your grand candidate. Uh-huh. And you have good ones like Dreams of My Father, which are like a little different, a little outside the genre. And some of them, like I just read Cory Booker's, which is arguably sort of within that genre. But he, it was really interesting and he had really um, good insights. He's also just sort of a good writer. But some of them, I mean, I guess people buy and read them because they still continue to print them, but I don't know who those people are. So I will, I will broaden it to say, you know, books about um, seeking maybe to explain the cultural framework with when, with which we view politics or, um, and then I guess you have political fiction too, like all the King's men and stuff like that. Okay. So I think what we want, I'm going to think of a perfect answer to you in like three weeks, but I think we want a book here, a political book where the workings of the government matter like it can either be the backdrop the in the frame in the context of which everything makes sense it can be a plot driver or it can just be an explanation there's some really great histories and not exactly how to's but you know nonfiction that says this this is your government this is how it goes and examining that at multiple levels either like let's talk about congress or let's talk about I don't know, the farm bill or well, and also there's all the, the history, the history of politics is just mm-hmm. important. You and I talked about team of rivals on your show, um, the book about Abraham Lincoln. And that's so enlightening. And I think it's enlightening, not just about the history of the time, but about how even to play politics today. And I'm assuming if I ever tack on an extra five years of my life and I can read all those Lyndon Johnson biographies that are like oh, the guy. Gosh. writes, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm because nobody was more masterful at the actual politics of Wait, it hold on you said lyndon johnson and i was thinking doris kearns goodwin but do you mean paul johnson no i mean the book there's this guy that's writing these you know i think he does he's done three or four lyndon johnson biographies and each one is like 500 pages there's like you know a series and they're supposed to be amazing hold really? on lyndon yeah johnson. it's um oh robert caro yeah robert caro I mean, he's been writing them for like 30 years or something, but all together they've got to be, there's, there's got to be thousands of pages. So the passage of power, the path to power means of ascent and master of the Senate. So I don't even know if he's all the way through the, like the presidency yet. Wow. Is he still cranking them out? Oh yeah. I think he's still cranking them out. Book one of four in the Lin- years of Lyndon Johnson series. So like there, you know, I think that those are illustrative, not just of the person, but of politics in a more sort of macro sense. Mm-hmm. But then I think you also have just fun fiction. Like I, when I lived on Capitol Hill, Sammy's Hill was really big. Did you ever read that book? No. It's it's Al Gore's daughter, Kristen Gore. She wrote this little like, I hate to, what is your stance on the term chiclet? <laughs> well, 
what I like about, I don't like to use it, but on the other hand, everybody knows exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So it's chiclet for like, it was like chiclet for Hill staffers. Mm-hmm. It's like a little, it's like a, you know, sort of a romantic novel um, with with a Hill staffer, which I think my feeling about any fiction that can personalize politicians or humanize people that work in government, I'm all for it. But that's the only one I can really think up off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college, y'all. He's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. So I think that that, you know, as always, that's the the big, the best, the power of really good fiction is putting yourself in anybody else's shoes. So do you have any sort of books like that that helped you rethink fiction books that helped you rethink really anything? I guess it doesn't have to be politics. 
Wow, that's a tall order. Um, that is a tall order. Well, there are some historical ones that have been cited, like All the King's Men, like you mm. mentioned. It's a classic political book. Have you read that book? I have, yeah. And I did you know, enjoy it. I did not enjoy it. I felt obligated to because it's such it's a It's one I'm glad I read. Yeah, but I didn't okay. relish turning the pages. Yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. I like that. I, you're so good at this. You're so good at this. <laughs> what a perfect <laughs> way to put it. What a perfect way to put it. That's a perfect way to put it. Another what was really another example you were going to use? Just I was just thinking politi- classic political reporting, all the president's men yeah, about Watergate that came out much more recently, but it's still, I don't know, does that count as a modern classic yet? Uh, I think so, definitely. And I thought that was much more readable. I think, you know, it's gotten a lot, it shows up on a lot of best nonfiction books list, like of the century. So if somebody can't, is you know, if somebody listens to our show, they're really interested in politics, and I think most of our listeners are thought, you know, kind of interesting in nuanced perspectives and learnings. But not everybody gets to be a guest on what I should read next, obviously, or get the personal and bogle treatment, which I felt so special. Uh, <laughs> what is your sort of general advice to people about how to pick their next book or how to make reading a bigger part of their life? Wow. That's a big question. Um, figure out figure out what you love. I mean, a lot of times people can't categorize it, but pay attention to what you like, pay attention to what you don't like and look for themes. And then if you want to push yourself, not everybody does, but a lot of people do, try to look for the adjacent possible. Like you're not going to go from reading Capitol Hill Chicklet to reading the jungle by Upton Sinclair, although you totally right. should, but that is a big, big step. But you know, just try to do the next thing down the road of the kind of reader you'd like to be and just, you know, baby steps. I love the, the adjacent possible. That's so great. Good. Oh, also pick good books because then you'll read more. Oh, that's good too. That's good too. All right. So as people are picking the adjacent possible, what would you describe as the adjacent possible to sort of the traditional political histories and political reading? Hmm. Okay. Now, this is adjacent, but not really possible. So one of my, what I mean is, this isn't like, oh, I'm thinking lofty, like I want to get smarter. One of my favorite political books is The Pelican Brief by John. Oh, that's a great is, book. It's a great book. And yeah, it, totally. I mean, it's a great lowbrow book. I always feel like I have to be careful what company I want to own up loving the Pelican Brief in. It's the only John Grisham novel I've read twice before he got super formulaic and... Oh, uh, you know, BJ I feel like Novak. I could go back and read A Time to Kill, too. Yeah, I bet you could. You know that. Yeah, book I have that... this theory that you should there should be a book club where you go you pick all these massive mass produced successful authors and you just read their first one because that was the usually one of the best like their early ones are the best ones, right? That's the one they so spent you go, 10 years on. Yeah, you go read John Grisham's first one and you read James Patterson's first one and you read Daniel Steele's first one. You know what I mean? I do. And I don't know where the Pelican Brief is in the list, but it's got to be pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. It's early. It's early. So what happens in this book is a law student writes a brief about some situation going on in Southern Louisiana. Do you even remember? No, not really. So what happens in the Pelican Brief is this really smart, sassy law student played by Julia Roberts. And the book was totally better than the movie. But you know, you can see both if you want. Um, 
she writes a brief for, I think, law school about something going on in southern Louisiana. There's some situation involving pelicans and the environmentalists. And I don't remember the details, but it doesn't matter because that's not the point. So she gives it to her law school professor that she's dating on on the sly. And he takes it to a friend when he has a meeting in D.C. And the friend passes the brief to somebody else. And the next thing you know, she is the attempted victim of a car bomb that actually does kill her law school professor. So she wrote this weird offbeat theory explaining something. And um, then people start dying. And she's like, Oh, crap, like, I was on to something. So the plot machinations behind the Pelican brief are, what if the bad guys, because in John Grisham, like they are the bad guys, you know, is trying to stack the Supreme Court to get an outcome they want on a case that's still pending in the trial courts. And it's a really interesting premise and it's great. I mean, it's a great political thriller. It's lots of fun. You have made me want to reread the Pelican Brief. I'm that so seems glad. like some I just sort reread of... it recently and it did not disappoint. Okay. Good to know. All right. What el- what other adjacent possible political books would you recommend? I would recommend something like The Profiteers. This is Ooh, a, what's that? This is a fairly recent release about it came out early 2016. It's by Sally Denton. So the subtitle is Bechtel in the Men Who Built the World. So Bechtel is a big deal, very large engineering company that has been around in America for a long time. So like the patriarch of the family, he led the group that built the Hoover Dam. Like that's how oh, wow. it around. So Bechtel has been working very, very closely, and you should be raising your eyebrows at that, for a long time um, on these government contracts. So in this book, she dives into how those contracts are doled out and who's telling who what about everything and all the politics involved in those big construction projects. And it is fascinating. Ooh, that does sound good. And her, I was just Googling her. The other book, The Money and the Power, sounds good, too. Oh, I don't know that one. What's that about? Uh, best-selling co-author of The Money and the Power, the Los Angeles Times called one of the most important nonfiction books published in the half century. In the half century. That sounds important, yeah. The Rise and Reign of Las Vegas. That Interesting. Okay. Okay. I'm so, gosh, my list is getting so long, and it was already so long. So if you want another political book you could go now this is soft politics okay so there's a fictional series by Beatrice Williams and this is this is not chiclet but it is like upmarket women's fiction so in her series the one I'd recommend here is tiny little thing that came out a couple years ago oh okay okay tiny is a name for Christina Hardcastle she is the pretty perfect debutante who was raised to be a senator's wife. And so her husband is running for a seat in the U.S. House of Representatives for Massachusetts. You can probably see it clearly in your mind. And so the story revolves around how the, well, maybe not revolves around, like the politics are definitely part of the plot, but they also serve as the backdrop, like how this family, what their life is like and how they make decisions and what their values are and what's important and what it means to be successful in politics. So politics isn't like, let's go to school. Let's pretend we're in college and read a 900 page book. Like it is the backdrop here, which makes it fun and interesting. It might spur you on to want to read more if you think you want to learn more about politics. Well, yeah. And I think that politics, you know, I jokingly tell people that I don't watch sports, but if there is a sports documentary on Netflix, I will watch it because I think sports, much like politics, is a good manifestation backdrop, whatever. can't think of the word I want for 
the human condition. So it would make it makes excellent backdrops for um, fiction and a way to examine why human beings decide what they decide and why they act the way they act. And I mean, that's a lot of what all good fiction is really about yeah. after all, right? And politics and sports. You have a high stakes backdrop. There's something mm. to win. There's something to lose. Timelines are helpful for constructing mm. your plot around. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you have any, do you have any other um, recommendations for our readers? Oh yeah. We can't leave off talking political books without talking about alternative histories. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze. And its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code podcast 
15. So these are books in which the author imagines what would happen if, at a key point in history, something had gone very, very differently. Um, I'm going to give you three. So the first is Underground Airlines by Ben Winters. His premise here is, what if the Civil War never happened? And slavery oh. is still firmly entrenched today in the hard four, which is um, North and South Carolina, which never split, and three other states in the American Southeast. What what would that mean for our society? What would that look oh like? Oh, my gosh. I know. Isn't that a fascinating premise? Ugh. After reading The Underground Railroad, it makes me want to crawl under my bed even thinking about it. No, no, no. No, this is different. Well, I mean, yeah, I probably should. <laughs> and yet, what I mean is, come back out and think about reading okay. this book. <laughs> okay, okay. And there's lots of Philip K. Dick, like um, – the Man in the High Castle, which is what the Amazon series was based on, where he imagines what would happen if the Axis won World War II. What kind of America would we be living in today? So have you – so my thing is I, maybe I should give the book a try because I started watching the book on the show on Amazon and was like, eh, not interested. Is the book better? I haven't seen the series. I've only read the book. Okay. So, but you like the book and I trust you. Okay. I'll, maybe I'll check the out series. the book. No, I didn't say I liked the book. I said it was very, very interesting. It's not, <laughs> it's not a page turner, but oh, okay. it's, but I'm glad I read it because his little details about what would be different in everyday life are make it worth reading. It's so Yeah. That's sort of how the series was too. It's like, once you get past that, Oh gosh, what would that be like? But when they started getting into the conspiracy and figuring it out and trying to solve and that was when I lost interest. Yeah. I've heard the series is really good. So if you didn't like it, I don't know. But Philip K. Dick has written several alternative history books. Like he's written one whose title is escaping me right now, where he imagines what if FDR lost the third term. He's mm -hmm. written, let's see, what's the plot against? And what's, did he write the one, there's one that where they imagine if somebody went back in time and gave the South like machine guns. What? Oh, I don't know that one. That doesn't sound that's like one, Philip K. That's Dick That's a though. thing. But I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, I don't know if it's him, but I remember I've always thought about that. I remember like maybe my stepdad was reading it. I've never read it, but I always think mm -hmm. about that book. Mm -hmm. That was like the big turn. That was the the premise. Well, I don't know about if he goes back to the Civil War in any of his books, but he did write one where he imagines what would have happened if Charles Lindbergh became president in 1940. So you oh. know, famous aviator and also a staunch isolationist. So he yeah. imagines <clears throat> that Lindbergh and Hitler strike a deal. And what, what would our lives be like now? Wow. And my final book is one I recommended to you on what should I read next? So it is 112263 by Stephen King. It is not Stephen King with his horror writing hat on. This is creepy, but it is not scary. And he imagines what would happen if, well, it doesn't actually. So this is time travel meets political history. There's a high school English teacher in Maine who finds a portal to the past and he decides, or rather, he's talked into using it to go back in time to try to prevent the Kennedy assassination. So throughout the book, he's trying to logistically make this happen and figure out how to stop the assassination. He's wondering what would have been different if Kennedy hadn't been shot. And he keeps asking the question, was it a conspiracy or was it one man acting alone? And his protagonist wonders throughout, like, surely Kennedy couldn't have been taken out by a crazy guy like King wants to believe it was a conspiracy but he doesn't well 
I'll let you read it and decide for yourself. He he writes a little epilogue where he says, my wife and I totally disagree. You could see it either way, like grand conspiracy or one crazy man acting alone. But that is a question that weaves through the whole very long book. And it is very interesting, very thought provoking, also very readable. And by oh, I readable, I mean like what happens next? Let's turn the pages. 900 pages went really, really quickly, kind of readable. I'm so excited. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show, Anne, and giving our listeners some ideas about what they should read next. Please go check out Anne's podcast, What Should I Read Next? And her blog, Modern Mrs. Darcy. Thanks, Anne. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope you all enjoyed my interview with Anne. As always, you can follow us at Pantsuit Politic on Twitter and on Facebook. And we recently joined Instagram at Pantsuit Politics. Until next week, keep it nuanced, y'all. 